This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, Zupan's was established in 1975, but here in 2021, it's the summer of sashimi at Zupan's. So they have sashimi grade fish available daily. So it's very refreshing time of year to go in and grab some uh, some sashimi grade fish at Zupan's. Uh, they have their favorite raw preparations, crudo, ceviche, uh, tartare, and sushi. So they can inspire your next summer meal. Yeah, and speaking of which, why not maybe do some king salmon on the grill? They've got some great mild, rich, and smooth. You know what I love about salmon is oftentimes you can get salmon that can go either way. Sometimes it's too fishy. Sometimes it's perfect. Well, this sounds great. Mild, rich, and smooth, sustainably raised in Canada. Throw that on the grill. Oh, it's going to be good. And they have recipes for that, too. So you can make a spicy Korean-style king salmon tartare. Ooh. Recipe. And some other recipes for some of their other great fish. Their seafood and their meat department, which are closely uh, situated to each other, are fantastic. So they have Baja Campachi. Uh, they also have Columbia River Steelhead, firm, buttery, and sweet. Doesn't that sound good, Court? It does sound good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting it's early in the morning right now, but I'm already thinking about dinner. Yeah, well, so you could also think about yellowfin ahi tuna um, and go grab that as well. So uh, lots to think about at Zupan's, including their burgers in the breezeway and their lobster rolls on Friday. It doesn't stop. The hits just keep coming. Yeah. yeah, three locations to serve you, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. And of course, you can find out all the information about everything we talked about. Where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right. It is time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. I'm Court Johnson with uh, Kink Radio here in Portland, Oregon. And yes, I'm out on the, actually on the coast. And it's good to be with you, Court. We haven't been together in a while other than save for a beautiful dinner at Ringside Steakhouse a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. In fact, that was the first time we had seen each other in about well over a year. And, uh, and you haven't changed a bit. No, you either. We're, we're still just super awesome, I guess. <laughs> and we're better, we're better with our better halves, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So what, maybe one time we'll get them in on this podcast. There we go. So, um, well, speaking of better halves, um, uh, this week's podcast is we, we venture outside of Oregon to my old street in Connecticut, where I had a uh, couple of delightful neighbors. Actually, right when I left, there was a small child involved. But, um, but since then, their kids have grown up, Greg and Mary, and um, one is off to college. And in the process, uh, my friend Mary Amter started a business uh, giving culinary classes for kids. And when I saw that kids part, um, I, it piqued my interest a little bit and I checked in with her online classes and I, I thought, um, 
despite the fact that these this is not a Portland food scene thing, it is because a lot of people are home with their kids now and, of course, schooling them through Zoom and those sorts of things. But here's an opportunity where someone was doing something very well geared towards kids and cooking and keeping things occupied. And as Mary points out in the podcast, it's pretty cool when um, parents can put their kids online, have them learn something new, and then have them actually cook something and bring something to their parents. That's a net gain as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, about, uh, you know, what a time it is to be alive. There's really no question that a kid can uh, can ask where a parent can either, either, you know, if they know the answer, they know the answer, but you can't do, uh, you can do a quick Google search and find out an answer or better yet, find a video that explains it. And that, you know, that leads me to these cooking classes. My kids have learned to make all sorts of great things via TikTok. Uh, but they're getting like really slick 35, 45 second versions of of meals. Here we're talking about actually how to put meals together, how to be safe cooking meals, and, and all of those things that uh, really sets you up for life. Yeah. And if nothing else, if you're not going to learn or a child, and these are for adults too, if you're not going to learn an entire recipe or don't choose not to, you're going to pick up tips along the way. You know, I saw a, a pretty efficient way of, of chopping cilantro that I wasn't aware of. And that many of our audience out there who's, who are probably versed in cooking skills probably knew, but I didn't. And I found that to be the case when the pandemic hit and some of our best chefs and, uh, took to the, uh, took to Instagram to do cooking classes or recipe, feature recipes there. I found maybe I wasn't going to tackle the recipes per se, but watching them in the kitchen cooking, I learned a few tips. And I think that's beneficial not only for adults, but for kids as well. I think of when I went to college and I landed in a co-op in Syracuse, New York, I had to cook for 14 people and really had never cooked at home. Yeah. Kind of crazy when you think about it, but we didn't have, you know, we had Graham Care, the Galloping Gourmet, mm-hmm. when I grew up. They didn't have food TV and all this stuff to encourage me to uh, become more interested in it. So I think this is pretty cool. Um, specifically, it's Mary's Culinary Classes, which one can search on Facebook and go down and check out all the videos that, that live there. Um, so she does classes in person in Connecticut, but these live online and there'll be more as time goes on because of course we're now becoming quarantined again. Yeah. Yep. To, uh, to a large degree, I think people are making decisions to, uh, kind of lighten up the social activities and, and be a little more careful. So yeah, spend, spend some time, uh, upgrading your, your cooking skills. Right. And we were teased there for a little bit. We were able to get out without masks, vaccinated, and um, and now all of a sudden things have changed a little bit. So we're back indoors, and it's a good time to listen to this podcast. Podcast listening is a good uh, pastime while you're indoors or outside. Um, and uh, in this case, if you go to our show notes, you're going to see a link to Mary Amter's um, 
cooking classes, there's videos on Facebook. So there's one um, uh, little background piece of information I think that's necessary here and uh, to understand because I reference, Mary references the fact that she misses me and I don't necessarily think that she misses me per se, and she might, but what she misses is the fact that when I lived next to her for years, I actually mowed the lawn and took care of the property. And since I moved in 2005, the people who bought the home from me, and I, I might point out, gave me a little hard time on the inspection and squeezed another five or $6,000 out of me for a minor thing. Mm -hmm. Well, those people, as nice as they may be, they haven't mowed the lawn since or taken care of, done anything. In 16 years. In 16 years. Wow. So it's overgrown now and you can't see the house. And that's all well and good. That's their choice. But, uh, but that gives a little context to what Mary and I are talking about when, we, when she talks about, um, you know, missing me and the state of the property. And I think we cut out a piece of it when she was talking about them surveying the property because they didn't want to see their shed, which is kind of crazy. Oh. The neighbors didn't want to see their shed. And I will say Mary and Greg were active in creating a beautiful piece of property that they bought and they expanded it down to a little creek and they have all sorts of beautiful things for their kids and back. So the contrast between their property and the one next door is quite vast. So at any rate, it was nice to catch up with Mary and I really thought it would be entertaining for people to hear this conversation, but also more so because they could access her, the fruits of her labors online at Mary's Culinary Classes. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. And by... Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022. To Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. How are you, Chris? I'm all right. Thank you for doing this. I, I'm not even awake, so you're going to carry the show. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, Gregory is so funny because he, you know, he's done stuff like this. So he's like, Mom, you're not the one who's supposed to be nervous. Chris is the one who's supposed to be nervous, not you. And I'm like, well, Gregory, I don't like to be interviewed at all. I don't like talking about myself, <laughs> you know. Well, it's, just, hey, listen, it's, it's easy because... Uh, we know each other pretty well, and it's kind of a funny thing. This is out of the ordinary for the podcast, but I thought it would be fun. So um, I figured it's, I, you know, usually like go with the suburban cooking moms, three, <laughs> you know, 3,000 miles away. I know. So, and you know what? And I honestly shouldn't even do this because I'm still mad at you. All right. Um, well, 
I know why you're mad at me. Tell me why. Tell me how mad you are. About you leaving? Yes. Seven, like, six, 16 years ago. I know, but that was just rude and you shouldn't have. And it would have been so fun if you stayed. Well, of course. And I would have been able to see your kids grow up, which I didn't. How, how old is your, when was your oldest born? So he's 2002. He's 19 and 17 and 15. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, well, it's nuts. And then the fact that, you know, Parker, so we left when my kids were, I think, 10 and 13 or maybe 11 and, maybe 11 and 14. Yeah. And they're like, they're practically the age that we were when we met. Although I'm, yeah. I'm older than you. I think I'm a, but um, at any rate, so they, the next, the people who bought my house, they haven't uh, mowed the lawn yet. Parker just saw it the other day and he couldn't believe it. And I said, I've been telling you for years, every time I go back there. Oh my God. I can't believe the poor kid drove by that. Yeah. And well, they, they just had the house. Um, they just did. Uh, what is it? When you do the borders, why can't I think of what it's called? Uh, you know, when you get the, the survey. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, Dead was like a foot on their property. What? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. They're very nice. They are very, truly very nice. And they're not like that. But I think they saw like, we have a chicken coop back there now, you know, we have all this stuff. And I think they thought, I don't know, there was liability involved in it. So they had, and Greg's like, you don't have to have it surveyed. He said, if you think it's that, he goes, I'll just move it. Like, cause a fence actually that we had a fence, fence behind the shed. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and he put the fence up there so they didn't have to look at our shed. So it was so stupid. But then it wasn't on there. Anyway. They put a fence up so they didn't have to look at your shed? No, we didn't. Why do you we have did. to look at that piece of shit over there? I know. I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, we put the fence up. Greg put the fence up because oh, he didn't oh, have to okay. look at it. You know, I haven't looked back. And I'll tell you, so I, Parker flew back last night and um, he hadn't been back since we moved. Austin has, but Parker hadn't been. And um, he um, he said it was a little bit of closure for him to go back and he couldn't stand the humidity. So um, I said, well, weather was really the aside from the beauty and the change and what about 16 other things. Weather, <laughs> I think, was at the top of the list of the driving factor for for moving for the move out west from uh, Connecticut. So, well, it really looks amazing where you are, honestly. It just looks truly like a little piece of heaven. It is a big piece of heaven because Oregon is giant compared to, uh, <laughs> compared to Connecticut. Yeah. But uh, no, I am really happy out here. And you must visit, you have to come out here and visit, especially because uh, to, to join this together or have some sort of segue. The food is so great out here. And the, 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 and the reason is, is because the bounty, one of the reasons, the bounty of food that's grown in the Willamette Valley and elsewhere in the state is incredible. It's just, the climate is much more conducive to great crops and just the fruit, the vegetables are insane out here. So. Wow. I didn't know that when I, that was not a factor for me to move out with the food. I didn't know there was really a food scene until I got here. And, and that took a few years to really figure out the scope of it. But, yeah, but then you ran with it. This is what you do. I feel like you find something and then you just run with it. 
Yeah, that's what I've done. Yeah, for sure. Because I, because I'm unemployable. No one, no, no one at the, I, so how about this? As a perspective, I have not worked for anybody since I met you. So 1995, I have been, I've been doing it all on my own. Um, and I don't know how I've done it. I mean, I'm still standing. I'm still surviving. I'm no. living in a really nice place. And, uh, and my kids are still alive and sane, um, <laughs> I think, for the most part. Nobody's sane completely. But um, anyway, no one's tuning into this to listen to that. But I thought it would be fascinating, extremely tantalizing, all the good things, because I, I see what you're doing, um, which is Mary's culinary classes. And then before I really knew, I see that it's I, this makes it interesting for me. It's for children. It's to help teach younger people how to cook and enjoy food. And um, that's something, you know, that I I think is really important because it not only relates to parents of children, but there when when that when kids don't learn to love and appreciate food they turn into fussy eaters mm-hmm. and you know that's one thing we have in portland or post-it notes in restaurants which is uh, to take care of every allergy and also perceived allergy too i'll just say that in many yeah. cases you know people are finding reasons so at any rate i think it's really interesting and the irony is when i Knew you, which, uh, yes, I've already mentioned how long ago that was. The, the, the food person was your husband, Greg, who, you know, I always knew as a, he taught at, at the time uh, at the culinary school. He was the, he was the chef. He used to come home in a chef duds, I remember. Yeah, he still does. He still does. So but he would, would have always told you, though, that he was not considered a chef by me because I have an Italian kitchen and he wasn't allowed in it. But I will tell you this, that that was a full on lie because um, I, he could cook in my kitchen anytime. He just likes to use that as an excuse not to cook at home. So. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure he's had enough, but the one thing I've learned about chefs since I've been, um, uh, you know, around them in Portland and elsewhere is they love to cook. So generally speaking, that, you know, they, they don't mind cooking when they get home because that's what they do. And yeah. I myself would look at it as, oh, my God, they would want any break they can get. And if you think like that, you wouldn't be a professional. So, yeah. so do you consider yourself a professional now doing what you're doing? Are you? Uh, um, I consider myself a professional in the teaching aspect of, of cooking. I don't know I would, that I would say that I would be a professional chef because I like to, I won't, like Greg will correct me on certain things that I'm doing that are, you know, considered the technical way of things. And I like to do the things the way that I was brought up doing them. Albeit they'd have to be safe, obviously. But um, so I think I consider myself more of a professional teacher at cooking or baking. So then why did you say you'd be nervous sitting here having a conversation with me? Because <laughs> you did do, through the pandemic, you did do some virtual teaching. And I don't yeah. know if you're going to continue that. We can talk about that. But um, but I think, um, yeah, I 
it, it seems to be perfect for you because I know you're good in the kitchen and you do you are a people person. There's no doubt about it. You may you may have this that you can't say that you're introverted. <laughs> well, it depends, honestly. I mean, no, I'm generally not introverted whatsoever, but I do get I certainly get nervous about certain things. <laughs> you know, and um and even that like you said with the Zooms during the pandemic, that was a huge deal for me to go on there and and do that but having my daughter there made a huge difference like Gianna having her there was a much comfort you know needed and she was fun and so good but um we did it because you know we we saw a need that people needed a distraction it wasn't even so much of you had to cook you know it was kind of we wanted to you know look at something that's not COVID related and um we started, she said to me, she's like, let's do a live one because all of our classes were canceled. So um, we did this live one and we figured it would give parents a half hour break if they actually didn't want their kids around for a half an hour. They could cook with us if they wanted to. You know, they just had to get the ingredients ahead of time and, you know, whatever. And then um, I had a nurse friend after the first one. <clears throat> she, she texted me and she said, Mary, I'll never cook anything a day in my life but watching you and Gianna and she was in the heart of, she was in the thick of COVID, you know, she was in the hospital, she was doing it all. And um, she said, but watching you guys for that hour just brought me away from reality. And she said, I'm going to watch it. Every time you do it, you have to keep doing it. And that's literally the reason we kept doing it because it was going to be kind of a one time. This is going to be fun. We'll take, you know, the parents away. I mean, the kids away from their parents for a half hour, hour and um, you know, see how it goes. But I really didn't think it was going to be a big, deal but once Tammy had said that to me I'm like that's it we got to keep doing this Gianna throughout the pandemic and we made a lot I want to say probably close you know at least 50 but um which is a lot for me to be on video for 50 you know 50 times right and you know it was one of the things that I enjoyed most in during the pandemic um was watching chefs do their cooking at home on Instagram I saw a lot of those and you know, you got to see a different side of everybody. It's kind of intimate and you got to see their kitchens. So yeah. that was kind of cool to see, oh, this is, you know, what they, what things look like at home. But um, no, a necessary diversion. Do those live online anywhere uh, other than maybe your Instagram for people to access? So I'm looking for all our viewers because they can't join you in person. Um, I guess they could because... If anybody ever wants to go back to Connecticut, between you and me, we could program a really good food vacation for them. That would um, be fun. Pardon me? That would be so fun. Oh, well, we, it's been discussed. <laughs> we, you know, I have a couple of chef friends here who are from Connecticut and we've discussed it. But um, what I was going to say, oh, I, was, I just asked you if they live online anywhere so people could access this. And it's not only, I mean, it's great for kids. Because I do notice, I watched you making enchiladas last night, which is the video <laughs> you reposted. Yeah. Um, but it's not only for kids, although I watch you warn uh, people about their fingers quite a few times. I know, uh, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to watch too. So I'll, I, uh, tell us where we can find them. So it's on my Facebook page. They're all on, on the Mary's Culinary Classes uh, Facebook page. And if you go under videos, they're all they're all listed there. They have the ingredients attached to them. 
So if they want to get the ingredients ahead of time and then they can follow the video and do the classes. I mean, there are certainly some on there. There, you know, th there are some parents out there who've done the recipes, but the purpose truly was to get kids cooking the, during the pandemic to kind of ease off. I know the you know parents were overwhelmed with having their kids around all the time. They were trying to work from home and never had a break kind of thing. So they could truly get the ingredients, put their kids in front of this computer. It's step-by-step, you know, instructions like you saw. And, um, and the kids could really prepare something for their family. That is kill. That's killing a few birds with one stone and turning a neg uh, negative, which is, constant having to deal with kids depending on age but when they're younger and they're home and by the way it's probably going to continue for a while yeah. um, but but not only occupying them but having them be productive and bring you a meal i'm sure that's <laughs> that is uh for many people that is a real treat and something that's very important in life to it's a skill that everyone will use. I know my son took a, Parker took a job in a kitchen um, in his late teen, or early 20s and um, three years. And oh my God, what that has done for him in terms of, you know, what he can cook now is great, way better than I could ever do. I, and so the other thing that I was going to mention is I didn't even think of it when I was there, but when I got divorced, which was 1997, my kids were younger, their nutrition went way down after it was just me doing the cooking because I just wasn't that versed with vegetables. This was all new to me. I was looking and I would have spent, I was doing fairly well back then. I was looking for someone to make side dishes with vegetables. I went to Bishop's Orchards. I don't remember where I checked, but I could not find anybody. And you were right next door. I didn't yeah. even think to say, hey, you guys, I don't want to, you know, I'll be happy to pay you. You were right next door. So, um, so how much, how important uh, with your classes do you, um, how important is nutrition? How do you treat it um, in the classes? Well, what I, I generally talk about it more than I than we do it because what happens is is for most of the classes that I do that are in person, we make either a dinner and dessert or like a breakfast and dessert type thing because kids want to be creative with desserts for sure, and that kind of brings them through the whole process. They know they're going to make this great dessert, so they're kind of and they do like making the dinners. Don't get me wrong, and some of them do enjoy making those more than the desserts, but. Um, I always have to incorporate some type of dessert in there. But what we do is we talk about if we're making something that let's say we're making um, shrimp Alfredo and Alfredo sauce, as we know, is not a healthy choice, right? I mean, it's, it isn't. What do you mean? No one <laughs> yeah. ever told me that. <laughs> let's say it's not the healthiest choice. There's a lot of calcium in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll, we'll go through like, okay, so this is something that you're going to have. And this, you know, we kind of go through what's, not the best part of this dish. The shrimp is very good for you. It's high in protein, right? It's all, has all these good omega-3s or whatever, you know. But um, I don't specifically say like, this is a well-balanced, we don't make a well-balanced diet type of thing just because there's not enough time in our classes to do stuff like that. Um, but we will go through the nutritional value of what we're making. So if we make like strawberry shortcake, the strawberries are obviously, <laughs> you want to go a little bit more generous on that, but it is not a huge component. I kind of leave that to the parents, you know, to teach that, but I will go through what 
you know, what we're making that's better for you. And maybe not, you don't want to eat this every day kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think a balance, I don't think that'd be a terrible idea to, to instill the balance in early on. So, yeah. um, but, um, yeah, I uh, I can't imagine what a treat it was for parents. So did you charge for the online classes? And is this something that you've done that is changing your life uh, beyond just the quality of your life and you're a loving person and you get, you're helping people? Financially, has it made any sense? It's, so all the Facebook Live stuff, that was all free. And it was all really... We really looked at it as mostly as a diversion and to give kids and parents, you know, parents something to do. And sometimes the kids and parents would do it together, which was nice, too, because it was an hour of their time that they normally wouldn't spend cooking, you know, maybe homework. But um, we did move it into um, we offered PTO classes over the pandemic. So our classes after school and those would be via zoom. So the kids could we could really interact The the Facebook live. They could only comment, you know, so I couldn't see their faces and we can't, you know, we can't talk back and forth. I could, you know, talk, I could reply to their comments, but they weren't visual to me, you know? So mm-hmm. the Zoom fantastic. And I did charge for those. I mean, I think we charged $10 a household when we did the Zoom classes. And then I also, um, we said the PTO classes were amazing. I mean, we had so many kids. It was so fun. I thought it was going to be horrible. I'm like, I don't want to do anything else virtual. We had all these Zoom meetings for, I, I'm a, tutor in New Haven. So we had, and I was working virtually and I said, I don't want to be on zoom anymore. You know, the cooking classes were so fun. I had so much fun with the kids, their little faces. And they, you know, it wasn't, we didn't take, it wasn't like a meeting where, you know, you had to mute yourself the whole time and only come off. If you have a very, you know, important question, it was come off. If you want to say hi, if you think my hair looks funny or, you know, whatever, but just come off and make a comment. And obviously if they had any questions, they would ask, you know, they'd ask and we'd slow down if we needed to slow down. But that was so much fun. I had, I really didn't think it was going to be, but it was so much fun. And then we started doing Friday night cooking classes and I had couples coming on. It was mostly couples. And they said, we would never cook together. This is the first time we've ever cooked together. And we would do like more advanced classes because they were adult, you know, adult classes. Um, So they would, that was, that was just an hour or two. We'd make a, a dinner, you know, and um, it was much more fun than I thought that was going to be too. I, and I didn't think it was, people were going to do it because I said, no one wants to be on Zoom anymore. We've been on Zoom all day long, but it really did well. I've, I've taken the month of August off just because with tutoring in New Haven and doing all the classes, like I was busier during the pandemic than I've ever been. I think it, you know, was kind of rare, <laughs> but I said I needed the, the month of August off just to kind of you know, relax a little bit and regroup and get my schedule set. But <clears throat> well, are, is everybody going back to school there now? Because the everything sort of in the last few weeks has reverted back to where we were a year ago, if not worse. I know. Well, Gregory's going off to college, so I'm super excited about that because he had to stay home last year. But they're offering, they're having kids come in person this year. So he's going away. And the other two are starting uh, September 8th. And Greg just went back today, actually, was his first day. I do have to say one thing about Greg, though, that I forgot to mention when you asked about the um, Zoom classes. When we would do the adult classes, I'd pull him in because you asked about, you know, being a professional. And I'd say, Greg, teach them the exact proper way to, you know, to um, butterfly a shrimp or, you know, whatever. And I can do it, but he's much better at teaching the the 
technical stuff. Like I like to make it more fun where he likes it very, very technical. So he would come in and the parents love that. They love to know exactly why they're doing something or, um, you know, like why you're adding baking soda to a brownie or whatever, you know, but, um, well, what a treat also for people to be able to access both of you. That's, that's a lot of firepower because as I mentioned earlier, you know, if this is, goes back more than 20 years that Greg has been teaching cooking. And by the way, to um, if I recall, he had classes of tough kids, right? So he was doing it in, uh, it was like a, a technical high school at the time. Well, I don't remember. Yeah. Camden High School, but they have a full, he built a full commercial kitchen. And at this point, Chris, he's won so many awards for teaching. Like he, I always tell everybody as much as I love to tease Greg about everything under the sun, he is the most fantastic teacher. He truly is. He cares about those kids. He's, his knowledge is ridiculous. I mean, you can ask him any question truly, and he'll spiel off exactly why, you know, whatever it is, it is. But, um, and he is just, such, he's such a good teacher. He knows exactly how to teach a person how to do anything really, except my own kids, but that's different. They don't like to hear it from their dad. So. <laughs> so when you started doing it, was he able to back off and let you do what you do and enjoy that? Or was he trying to be a little controlling and saying, no, 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 you want to do this this way? He will step in sometimes and just say, listen, that's not the proper way to do something. And at first I used to not, when I was just cooking at home, I didn't listen to him. So I said, I've been doing this my whole life. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't tell me an easier way to do it or whatever. And uh, now I do because I want to teach the kids. If I know that I want to teach them, if there's an easier way, I want them to learn it. So he, I have to say, he's been really good with this. He, he knows that he and I have very diff different personalities and what I'm doing is working. So he feels like I'm going to let you do what you're doing. And when you need assistance, I'll be there to help you. But um, he does step off, which is hard. I think is very hard for him. So. So in prepping for each class, how, what is the process for you and how much time? So if you do what a, a one hour or 30, yeah, I guess it's an hour class. How much prep time do you need and how much of your, um, how much effort do you put in for each class? So if we're talking about the Zoom classes or the, yeah. okay, so the Zoom, because I do do in-person classes as well, we're just at the Parks and Recs now, though, because of COVID, they won't allow it anywhere else, but, um, or actually in homes, like I go to homes and do classes, that's obviously more prep work, because I have to bring everything with me, all the supplies, you know, and whatnot. The Zoom classes for the prep time for me is not, um, you know, I, I always try and make sure I've done the recipe before, you know, I go live on something and do it. But so that's already been done. But just gathering the ingredients, setting up the area, the area in my house is already set up. If for the people who are doing it with me, it's really just getting the ingredients together, getting your measuring cups, your, you know, your dishes and just having it set and ready to go so you can cook along. And for me, it's the same thing. I'm just getting my ingredients, the dishes that I need, the measuring cups, the measuring spoons and stuff like that. So how many people do you usually have at your, you know, your, your in-person classes with the park and rec and how many online? So the in-person classes, um, the two of them, there's a limit of 12 and two and one, there's a limit of six just because of COVID again. And uh, generally they're all sold out. 
So we'll have 12 kids and thank God Gianna comes with me when there's 12 kids because I used to have 12 in a small area and that was fine. But once you move to a big area, kids tend to like to run a little bit, you know, so in between chopping the garlic or whatever, you might get a scattered child. So having Gianna there is a huge help, (laughs) you know, but not run out of the building, but just run around the room, you know. Um, and, And for the Zoom classes, for the PTO classes, we'd have between like 20 and 20 kids a class. And then the Friday night classes, we would get between like 10 and 15 couples usually. Oh, very nice. Well, it's a good thing to do. Um, I'm going to, we're going to take an opportunity to pause a moment for a message from ringside. But when we come back on the other side, let's talk about some of the things that you want to do and what you plan on doing with this or, and what you plan on doing when the kids are no longer in the house, that's going to be a big moment for you. (laughs) Can't talk about that. (laughs) Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. And speaking of one of our favorite places to eat, we converged on that concept uh, this weekend. Uh, you and I and our significant others, your wife, my girlfriend, had a beautiful dinner at ringside and I cannot express uh, strongly enough how nice it was to sit at a beautiful restaurant, order and get wonderful service and eat delicious food and have a great time. I believe, if my math is correct, we were there for about four hours. Yeah, no, it, it was it, it was definitely four hours because I was getting text messages from our 13-year-old wondering when we were going to get home. And they, my, my two daughters were actually waiting at the front door when Randy and I walked in. <laughs> They're like, where have you been? <laughs> turnabout is fair play, I suppose. However, yep. uh, speaking of turnabout, they're back to regular service. Their bar is now reopened and they take reservations and also walk-ins uh, at the bar. And be- because they opened up this great outdoor patio, Chris, uh, that is going to continue through the fall. Take advantage of the summer weather and eat outside. It's an outdoor patio. It's got hardwood floors, has full white tablecloth service. It'll have the same service team, the same menus as indoors, but you're outside and uh, definitely something you want to take advantage of at ringside they're still offering their prime rib wednesday special available both in-house and to go so you can call in orders for pickup as well as on doordash and caviar or go to ringsidesteakhouse.com or open table to enjoy dinner wednesday through sunday at ringside you're not nervous are you you're okay i'm okay i'm a little nervous you're but still nervous it's par for the course for me. It's just, you know, when I know that I'm talking about, you should have seen, I had to go for an interview. I hadn't worked for 17 years. And when I went to interview for this tutoring job, which I knew I, I already had, but it didn't matter. I had to sit for the interview. I never knew what cotton mouth was until that interview. I literally looked around and I'm like, is there cotton in my mouth? I was so dry. <laughs> it was crazy. And I knew I already had the job, but I just, I mean, I pretty much knew I had the job, you know, it was kind of a fr- but I don't understand. So you're up in front of people. You're doing I know what you do with groups of people. You're Zooming. You know, who knows? There could be a zillion people on your Facebook Live cooking classes, and you're still nervous. You know, it's silly. I've gotten better, you know, even to do this, this better. I'm certainly better than I would have been, you know, a year and a half ago. 
Yeah, but you wouldn't have chosen to do this if you were freaked out every time you got on camera I, or you're in front of people. I pushed myself to do it, though, truly. I, what happened was what brought me to doing the culinary um, in the first place was I didn't work for 17 years. College was creeping up and I, my husband's a teacher, you know, so I was like, OK, so I need to really start thinking about what I want to do. And the kids are older now. And um I decided, you know, I was going to do this and I've always been comfortable around kids. So doing it with kids was very easy because I l love kids. I just, I do. I've always been comfortable around them. They're funny. They make me laugh. They keep me young, I think, you know? So that part wasn't bad. Then when I started doing adult classes, that's when the nerves started to kick in because then I love, I, I, you know me, I'm very social. I'll talk to anybody. I will literally talk to a lamp post if it's in the room, you know? It's not that it's just being in front of people and I don't know, exposing myself. I, well, not exactly that, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> we don't do that in the classes. So. Yeah, that would be, well, that would add a, that you could do a special class that, yeah, uh, that includes that. But I would um, imagine that it's easier to not be nervous with kids because they're all automatically going to view you as an authority figure and you know what you're doing i could see adults who have experience in the kitchen being a little more critical and so you being nervous about that yes absolutely and that's why when you're asking about where we're going with the culinary too um we, before the pandemic greg and i were going to do adult classes together and we had done a few and i was fine with him being there you know and he can answer the the technical questions like I like him being there to even if I know the answer I'd rather have him there to to mm -hmm. know and to explain it properly but um so I, once things open up a little bit more we have a venue that um, may let us use their space for adult cooking parties um and we would do it doesn't have to be couples you know but if obviously if they want it to be a couples class they can do that as well but um and we would we wanted to incorporate like kind of a BYOB type of thing. So once you create your dinner, you sit down, you eat it, you have fun, um, you know, and, and you make a night of it. So it's basically a night out as opposed to, I'm just going to go somewhere and cook. Um, I, I think it would be marvelous to start with a cocktail recipe. And Ooh, yeah, just it would, it would lighten it. It would loosen everybody up a little bit. It's a good way to introduce people to this is what we're going to do. And it's fun right off the bat. I love that. I absolutely love that idea. Yeah. That's so So you and you and Greg together with a cocktail, I can't imagine that that wouldn't be huge. See, now, if you still lived home, we could have tested this out, sat in your jacuzzi and, you know, made it work. Oh, my God. That would have been a perfect spot for it. We could have done an outside. You know, I built that. I think it was 700 square foot deck. No, And then just like everything else, you know, I replaced the furnace, everything right before you move. So um, but I got I got three good years with the uh, with the deck and the hot tub and the lights. Do they do they use the lights outside? <laughs> so, sorry to keep diverting to our personal stuff. But it's <laughs> I know. First of all, I don't know that they've stepped out on the deck, to be honest. So they've never stepped on the deck. Yeah, I don't think the hot tub's been used. No, I don't have once. I don't think it's been used once. We've actually thought about going in the night and just borrowing it. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'm sure it's a little bit gamey by now. 16 years. 
after it's been used. But they do you ever see the lights on outside that I have f- fairly illegally as installed uh, <laughs> running wires into the woods I didn't own? No. To, uh, oh, God. What a shame. No. Um, but I, I think the cocktail thing and probably, boy, if we put our heads together, you know, I've been a little bit of an entrepreneur in putting together events, which I've never done in my life. Nothing I I, like that. You also did traveling like you're doing it worldwide. Yeah, but, you know, it's one thing led to another. I mean, even moving to Oregon was one thing led to another. It started with take it all really started with my son with Austin being invited out by my best friend, Dave, to take him away from his Game Boy for two weeks in the wilderness. And then we ended up driving him. And in the process of driving him to Montana, we ended up doing trips across the country. Everything for me is not planned. It just happens. It's really insane. I yeah. love it. It's like the best thing. It really is. Well, as much as I'm not happy about your friend Dave doing that, I'm actually really happy for you because it does really seem just all of it, like everything to the, from just the move and then what you're doing now. It's all so incredible. It's, uh, it's fun. I'm managing. I don't know how I keep my head above water, but somehow <laughs> uh, it works. And I hope that maybe someday you could come on one of our trips with us because I think that would be fantastic. We, the last trip uh one of the trips we took to Barcelona, I had a few of my friends from Darien come and they had a blast. So that was really kind of cool to put that together and enjoy their company somewhere else. And I would imagine, you know, we do these trips to Sicily and I can't imagine you wouldn't love that. My hometown. <laughs> Which your hometown? Where are you from? My- grandparents actually but no actually not from sicily but around sicily we're from uh castillamar and naples oh okay well down that way and everything's close and we'll be going there sometime so what are your dreams have you been you know most of the travel that i've seen that you've done is to rhode island yeah and and that's great when you have three (laughs) kids you that makes it easier but what are your dreams where do you want to travel What, what kind of cuisine would you like to try well, we did take a, a Mediterranean cruise a couple of years ago, and I have to tell you that I, I love Italy, obviously. I'm partial to Italy, but um, we also went to Montenegro, where I've never been. And the landscape, the people, the food was amazing there. I absolutely loved it. I think it's one of my favorite spots in the entire universe now, which I never would have even thought, you know, uh, I it's such a little place and you don't hear much about it, but the food was so fresh. I mean, anywhere you go and you know, over there, the food just tastes so fresh and different, but it was just um, everything about it. Like the people there were wonderful. They were so kind. They were so happy to see you, even though we're, you know, we're little tourists in here. Um, well, my guess is the more I find, the more travel I do, a lot of places become my favorite places. So, yeah. cause it's a way and it's all new to you. So um yeah. I, do you plan on doing some travel or do, are you going to have the ability to do that? Well, the, our next trip we'd like to do, like the next big trip, we're going on a cruise to the Bahamas in December only because that's the only time Greg has off from work. And being a teacher, you can't take additional time unless it's in the summer. I like to do those places. And yeah, I prefer not to travel in the summer because we have Rhode Island, but um, Greece would be the next place. The kids and I all want to go. Like that's our 
next destination. And yes, the food, I love Greek cuisine. So I would absolutely be inspired by it and I would love to eat it, <laughs> you know, by somebody that someone else made it. So yeah, that's always a treat too. But um, that's definitely would be the next, the next big, the next big one. I've it always is- wanted to go there too. Um, but in planning my trips for, you know, Portland food adventures, I don't know any Greek chefs that would, it's got to have that component to it for me to, to do that. But hopefully someday just taking a personal trip, but don't really have a lot of time to plan personal stuff when we're doing that. That's my, that's my travel quota. Yes, I know. But you know what? We should look, we should try and find some. <laughs> right. But my thing is they, they're Portland chefs that people want to hang out with there, but that that's kind of evolving too. If we can find good chefs that are, uh, in a city that can host, we're looking at doing that in New York, as a matter of fact, uh, oh, yeah. where we're doing the New York chef's adventure in New York. So, um, and that, what you, you go and you sit with the chefs. I mean, they cook for you, but you're sitting there talking with them. And is that is it just because it's you going and doing it or is that how it is in Portland? Like, are you able to have conversations and sit with the chef well, with that no so first of all when we travel with the chef there's very little shit cooking done by the chef it's there so these the idea was and this relates a little if i can relate a little bit to connecticut when i came to portland i would find they had open kitchens so you were sitting there with the chef cooking in front of you if you sat at the chef's counter which there were a lot of and they didn't have those in connecticut and the difference was when i would all of a sudden they would start telling me where to go in portland and where i wanted to hang out well having been in connecticut first of all i never got close to the kitchen and second of all you know, I know Billy from Modern Pizza would never tell you to go to Pepe's or tell you where else to go. He would just say, you, you come here all the time. And yeah. that's the idea. And so I thought that was very unusual. That was an unusual aspect about Oregon at the time. It was so collaborative. Everybody was doing everything together. So that led to doing these events, which featured that aspect. And then we're able to go to really cool places. For instance, um, our former, one of our former best chefs in Portland was a guy by the name of Jose Chesa, who owned a Catalan restaurant, a few. Um, And we would go to Barcelona. The guy is too busy to really even talk to anybody for more than two minutes in his restaurant. And here was the opportunity for him to showcase where he learned to cook, where his father had a restaurant, where his buddies went to culinary school. And we would go to those restaurants and just sit and drink wine and cocktails with Jose and have him order for us. That the whole that was the whole idea. And so it worked out pretty well. And now we've done it to Italy and Australia and we have some planned to Germany. So people have German restaurant, actually Austrian, Papa Haydn. We're planning in the process a Peruvian restaurant here, which was the connection to New York because there's Nikkei uh, food in New York and they want to do it. So that's the long and short of it. I may or may not edit this out because I just did a I just did a commercial for Portland Food Adventures. <laughs> But that's how. But but it's the opportunity to go hang with a chef, and they're 
generally affable people, especially a guy like Jose. And that's how that started. And so we're not necessarily, the idea is people know that restaurant and they, they know a little bit about the chef, but here's an opportunity to go hang for seven, eight days with them and have them. So, so I have always wanted to do a Connecticut food adventure and we'll do it. One of the people listening to this podcast might know uh, Tommy Habits, who grew up in Bridgeport, Fairfield, and now has one of the has a pizza place out here that's insane and a sandwich place. He started with sandwiches. And we've talked about doing something back there where we would go to Fairfield to go to Raleigh's Hot Dogs. Right. And then uh, Louis Lunch in Portland, yeah. in New Haven, and also uh, lobster rolls and pizza. And just do all that. So uh, speaking of pizza, my son informs me that there's just another reason not to live in Connecticut, that Marco Pizzeria changed hands. And uh, I don't mean to put myself in the middle of a libel suit, but I'll just say he he heard it's not the same that it was. So I haven't while, honestly, since they changed hands, because I liked it so much that I don't want to go back and it to be honest i know it sounds terrible but um that was my favorite it was my favorite thin crust pizza marcos and i just i haven't been back so now that i know <laughs> well it was it, it was a um it was a real treat because for many years we all had to go in new haven and weather the lines there to get sally's or peppies or modern yeah. and now all of a sudden there were two guys who used to work at peppies who bring this place white clam pizzas out to where they were a reasonable weight and an easy drive to go yeah. jump by them, especially from our house. And um, yeah, that's, that's sad to hear, but I'm sure the food scene has grown since I left. I wasn't even really into food other than I liked it and liked to eat it, but I wasn't doing anything close to what I'm doing now. I know because I think you get bored and you decide I'm going to completely switch roles in my life. I'm going to completely switch whatever I'm doing in my life and then just move on and go on and go on. I don't consciously do that. It just happens. And yes, I get, so I spent, it it seemed like forever, but I spent five years selling radio at WPLR media uh, in New Haven. And boy, that got, I wanted out of there after a couple of three, that was enough for me. So, um, but yeah, but you find something else and, you know, it is a land of opportunity. There's a lot of things, especially when you're talking about food, people have to do that all the time. And of course there's, we have to, for what you're doing and what I'm doing, you have to give uh, food TV a little bit of credit for that. A lot of top chef, any, any of those programs where people are more into watching what goes on behind the scenes. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. And I do. I do, too. I'd rather see it. But I have to tell you, though, just with um, with you moving around and stuff, you know, with jobs and whatever. Um, but then you seem to find what you really enjoy and you stick with it. Like, look at how well, you've been with this for a while now and you seem to just love it, you know, and I would do. I mean, it's so great. How is it? Like you said, you get and you get to know with the background regarding even watching, watching the chefs and, you know, doing the in-home stuff. But, um, but you actually get to go into the restaurants and see these people in their element, doing what they do for hundreds of people a night. And you get to hear their, their backgrounds, why they're doing it and why they love it. I mean, that's exciting. I would love to hear that. I would love to hear those stories. 
Well, that I'll tell you that it was never on my mind until I got to Portland and started. Yeah. They they have restaurants set up to do that. And then of course we've had this podcast for eight years. So we've got the the backstories. The beautiful thing is, so when I do an event or a trip, I have so I have this email list, but the people coming with us. If they don't know the chef that well, I get to send them the podcast. Here, spend an hour, you know, with this person, or now spend an hour with Mary before you go to uh, watch the class. So you get to know, you get a little more depth, and that to me is the interesting thing. Is because I, I marvel at what chefs do because I can't even hold a conversation while I'm cooking for two people. Uh, with my girlfriend, I'm like, I, I just need the time. Go do something. I'll cook. I can't cook and talk at the same time because yeah. for two reasons, I can't multitask very well. I forget everything. But then I'm trying to be attentive. And if someone's talking to me, I can't put the onions in the pan when they need to go in. I have to stop and wait. And I'm sitting there going, I got to get these onions in. I hope this story I'm hearing or whatever I'm hearing is important. So um, do you teach that sort of thing in your classes, like how to navigate stores and actual real life cooking situations where your kids are going to be someday for these kids, their kids are going to be running around distracting them. So, uh, you know, I tend to forget a lot of things and I used to forget vegetables. That's why I was looking for places to get side dishes. So I don't teach them so much about the stores, um, although I do teach people how to look for things like, you know, you having cooked for a long time, and I'm sure you're the same way. We know what a head of garlic is, but there's a lot of people who don't know what a head of garlic is because they're used to buying it in a jar cut up already, or they've seen a clove maybe, but never the whole thing. So like I'll teach them stuff like that. But the, the beauty of the Zoom ones was... Um, there'd be people who couldn't find a certain ingredient, you know? So they would say, they'd either email me ahead of time or they would tell me on the Zoom, listen, I can't find this. Is there a substitution? So we came up with a lot of troubleshooting that way of things that people could use to substitute different ingredients for. And that was actually kind of fun, especially when it was just on the Zoom, because I kind of would have to think on the fly of, okay, you know, what can they substitute for this? And it's something that would probably be in their house. And um, we came up, we, I think we navigated through each, you know, problem when it came through that. No, I've never done the grocery store because I will tell you right now, I hate grocery shopping. Well, I know why you hate grocery shopping, because the grocery stores back there absolutely suck. They're the <laughs> worst. And, you know, I, I you take it for granted that that's the way life is. Oh, no, 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 no. I remember grocery, you thought ahead. you were punked the first time that you went into the grocery store in Oregon that you thought you were being punked because somebody was asking you if you needed help oh like, every single time it still happens did you find everything you like sir do you want help out with that and I used to say <laughs> no look at me I'm able-bodied I don't need help out with this bag but it's incredible what it, when you come here because you should I will take you to the grocery stores and you will just flip out because the freshness of everything and the just they're all competing. Right. You can't the big the big grocery stores are what they are. But there are a lot of local ones like our sponsor, Zoopans, which is just unbelievable. And, you know, I was thinking while you were talking about this, a business idea for you is to find Bishop's Orchards, or they don't have everything, but somewhere, a grocery store, you tell them you're going to 
mention them as a sponsor on the on your uh, at your classes. And so every week you could tell people to go to that store and pick up Mary's box of ingredients for that week's class. Right? Wouldn't that make sense? Like that a lot, yes. <laughs> and the store would like it because the, the, everybody would be forced to go there. That would be fantastic. I like that idea anyway, because then everything's already set and ready to go for them. Exactly. All you could do is go in and pick it up. And then yeah. and they, they have Mary's basket there and it's all set. And the, and the grocery store gets mentioned on your, you know, in your, wherever you, whatever you do. And you put them on your website. Yeah. It's a great idea. See, this is this is how I've gotten by since 1997. <laughs> we just watched the movie Lost in America, and I just love it yeah. when Albert Brooks says, this is what I do. This is not some schmuck just giving you an idea. Yeah. So I've always I've always enjoyed that concept. And I'm not trying to say that I'm not a schmuck because um, <laughs> I'm coming up with an idea. It's 6.50 a.m. here. This is the young, the, the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I never up this. I well, honestly, I just didn't assume, and I was like, "Well, I'll just, we'll just do. A, I'll say eleven, so he could, you know, do his normal morning routine, whatever, and then it uh, won't be inconvenient for him." And then I'm like, "Oh shoot, this is our last full day with because the kids Gregory leaves for school on Saturday, so we're going home tomorrow, and we'll get him packed up and ready to go." But um, so he won't be back out here to go to Black Island. So I was like, "Oh shoot." <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That takes priority. Where's Gregory going to school? He's going to UConn. Oh, all right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I went to uh, Syracuse, and when I went to Syracuse, nobody that I grew up with in Connecticut went to UConn that I knew. And then it became, obviously, for lots of reasons, it's a great yeah. school. It's gotten a lot of notoriety because of its uh, basketball program. And also it's in-state tuition now, which in those days wasn't as important as it is now. But it's still not as inexpensive as you would think it would be for, you know, for in-state college. But he's, he's going for business and it's a really good business program. Mm -hmm. So I, it's a great fit for him. And he's going to row there. So he has to be on the water at 5 a.m. every morning. Wow. Every single morning. And how, how late into the year does that happen? Till the second week of November, and then I'll start back up again in March. All right. So he doesn't have to weather crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So um, there's a website. If you Google Mary's Culinary Classes, there's a website, and that would lead people to the Facebook, correct? Yes. Yeah, that leads you to Facebook, and then all the videos are up on the Facebook page. Do you have a do you have one that you recommend for if someone were to pick one because it's always hard? What would be a good one for people to start with and uh, and get entrenched in the Mary's way? God, I'm trying to think of what the ones are up there. Isn't that terrible that I really can't even? Um, yeah, but the good thing is none of them are going to get pissed off that you forgot them because they're inanimate objects. So. Which I know. I feel like a dish up there that I really like, but I can't think of what it is. And I've done so many of the live classes since that I don't remember what I did on, on the videos and what I did on, although I will say I do love those sour cream enchiladas. The, yeah. um, uh, I can't think of the pepper now. I was trying to do it. They were, uh, I saw, I watched it last night and I can't even remember. The poblano. Poblanos. They were poblano yeah. peppers. Yes. Yeah. And you were very careful to tell kids not to touch their eyes after chopping them. So that was good. 
Um, but I would imagine some of your Italian dishes would be the ones because, you know, you're Italian. and um, I don't know if I put many Italian ones up there. That's the only one I'm trying to think of um, what I have. Because what I was trying to do as well was use ingredients, although not the poblano peppers are something that you'd have during quarantine so much. But I tried to do stuff that was kind of readily available and easy to get. And if you were doing like a grocery store pickup, because most people that, you know, are doing grocery store pickups, back, you know, then I was trying to do things that was easily accessible or things that you already had in your house. So I, I don't remember, I don't know if I did the Italian ones and I cook so much Italian at home, to be honest. So whatever I was making for quarantine was going to be served to my family and they don't always want Italian anymore. You know, they're kind of, they're like, can we have something different? <laughs> you know, that's good. And I got a kick a little while ago when you said that you make Greg grill something that he does. You have to actually hold a knife to his uh, throat <laughs> to say you're going to get out there and grill. Yeah. So Greg, and he'll tell you this, he was never one of those chefs that you're talking about that like cannot wait to cook. You know, he enjoys the process and he loves teaching. But um, I think it's, you know, as from a teacher's perspective, when you're teaching culinary, you're, you're, it's not just teaching, obviously. It's like you're, all, you're teaching and you're working in a restaurant all day long. And, you know, you're also doing the grocery shopping for all of these things. You're, you're, you know, it's not like it's you're getting the it's not like a drop off like you would get at the restaurants of food. Like you're going out to the stores you're doing all the shopping, you're lugging it into the classroom, you're unpacking everything, you know, he has refrigerators go, freezers go, he's not there because it's a school, you know, um, so he'll lose stuff sometimes. And um, so it's not just a process of cooking for him, it's also everything else. So it is exhausting. And I will say that, so he does not come home longing to make <laughs> dinner, although every once in a while, he makes an amazing drunken noodles because he had a student who was um, a Thai student and they owned a Thai restaurant <clears throat> and he taught him how to make like authentic drunken noodles. And they're amazing. And there's certain things he'll do that he wants to do. But for the most part, no, he's not longing to cook at home. <laughs> well, that's good. But, but he has you who enjoys it. So, yeah, a nice thing. And the kids have been lucky um and i haven't been able to witness their growing up at your hands so um i miss that it's one of the only things i really miss about connecticut other than lobster rolls and pizza well and, you know i have friend i have friends there but no um i'm i'm glad to see you're still there you're uh, has the street turned over a lot i know the jacksons are gone i'll cut it cut this out no one wants to listen to this but the jacksons are gone what about all the other folks the leos are gone um the mcdonald's are gone um the lincolns are still there i would imagine oh, the Lincolns are gone too they've been gone for a while actually oh at least Years, I would say six or seven years, but I will tell you this though. And since this is not on anymore anyway, it's so funny because I remember when the kids were little and my kids were little and yours were like at that stage where they can kind of be left alone. It wasn't, you know, so you were kind of ready to do stuff and you know, you're more like, you know, let's hang out or whatever. And I remember like my kids I was dating and you were dating. You were <laughs> right. And now that our kids are older, like the Rosses and I, do you remember Bob and Stacy? No. They moved into that foreclosed house that had the, ho the horses. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't even remember that house. 
you it's next to the leo's house so to the left of the leo's the colonial oh oh this is when i was supposed to get up oh um, <laughs> no i don't even know the leo's the um the asian people the asian couple she's like yeah it's maybe long my memory is that good and paul so Bobby and Paul are still there, but they're next door to Bobby and Paul to the left of them. And then the next house over. But anyway, they're, you know, they're, um, they have kids the same ages as ours are around the same ages. And, um, you know, they, they built a bar in their basement. Chris, mm-hmm. it is nicer than any bar uh, Irish pub in New Haven that you've ever seen. Oh, nice. It's nicer than Hennessy's. So we go back and forth to each other's houses and stuff. And honestly, we talk about you, you know, like if Chris was here, he would totally be hanging out with <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I would have lo- really loved it then because I was really looking to get out of the house at the time. So um, anyway, we have to I have to go back and figure out how to end this because we can't just end it there. So okay. um, so any classes coming up that um, people should make sure to check out? Let's tease people a little bit and get them to your next online class. God, I should have pulled up my classes because I don't remember exactly what we're making. So we have, we don't have any online classes scheduled right now, but we do have um, North Brantford, Brantford and Guilford Parks and Recs classes coming up. And hopefully the parent class will be scheduled soon, which will be on the website. Um, and we will be adding some virtual classes. Um, probably you're going to need to. I don't think you're going to, I think there's going to be a period where you're probably going to have to chill on the, on the real classes. I think it's going to happen again as well. I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm so tired of listening to this. And we have a trip, you know, planned for December. So um, I really don't want that to be canceled. I'm very spoiled. I think we're all getting a little bit of COVID fatigue. But thank God throughout the COVID, throughout the whole pandemic, people have been able to enjoy your company virtually. It's a nice, (laughs) it's one of the benefits is that those opportunities came up and people were forced to do different things. I was never able to wake, get out of bed and record this podcast the way I am now. And I, in the beginning, I fought it. I wanted to be in the studio, but yeah, yeah, there's some benefits too. There's definitely, I think there's definitely benefits that came out of COVID as much as I, it was hard to see in the beginning. I think, you know, I think people appreciate each other more and the time spent together. And like, we don't dread going to those family picnics as much as we used to, you know, it's kind of like, Oh my God, we all get to see each other. So we're so happy. Not that I ever dreaded it. Just using it as an example. (laughs) And, and, And cooking and enjoying good food together. I think that's one of the things that happened is it brought, brought people together sometimes a little too much, but at least, uh, Everyone found things that they like to do, and uh, the first thing you, the first thing you can start with is in the kitchen, I think. And uh, so I am um, I'm so happy that you've been able to do that and enjoy time with your daughter. Right? That's a new relation. That's that's a new bonding experience. It's not a new relationship. No, no, but it is. Yeah, it's definitely it's on a different level. And I t- keep telling my kids though too that they're going to be the only ones cooking in college. So. They need to have people chip in for the groceries because <laughs> they're going to be the ones cooking for everybody in their suite or whatever, you know? Well, um, we, I did that too. I moved into a co-op in Syracuse. I had to cook for 14 people out of the blue. And I'd never cooked for myself at that oh point my- in time. So, yes, you are 100% right. And the good thing was the guy who did the, the what they call him, the steward? 
went to buy the cooking, he didn't have to pay. That was his deal. So I would, I would make sure that your kids, if they're going to do the cooking, that's their contribution and they don't have to outlay the cash to get the food. Yeah, that works. I like that, especially for the parents who are normally paying for those things. So <laughs> Exactly. So they can, they can save a little and use it for whatever they want. New video games, who knows? And so. I will say this one last thing about what you said about quarantine. Yes, this was the first time that we all ate dinner together, you know, consecutively every day for how, you know, for a, a long time, because, you know, they all have sports and things to do. And if it wasn't sports, it was always something else. So we would, we would literally before the pandemic get maybe two nights a week to eat together. And then after that, we actually got to reconnect, eat dinner. Well, Enjoy. two nights a week is more than most people are do, have done. And I, my kids didn't love sports, which, you know, I t- it took me a little while to get used to that. But um, so as a result of that, I have, as I've gotten older and seen that people don't spend a lot of time together, they're in and out of subway on their way to the next sporting event. I've always thought that is, there needs to be balance and I think less sports, more home time anyway, because let's face it, there aren't going to be a lot of professional soccer players out there. But, but don't say that. Pardon me? Say that in Guilford. Yeah, well, hey, Things. you should see where we move. That's where all the Nike and Adidas executives live. You oh think my. you you don't know what Parker experienced not being into sports moving out here. So oh, yeah. Yeah, it That's- was, it was it was painful. I mean, the boys grow, you know, they, they do crew and it's a different, it's a different mentality than I think like soccer, basketball, football and Gianna, it's, it's, she plays basketball, but um, that could be tough sometimes, but you know, we've kept that where it's not your life because I agree. It's to me, it's too much. Yeah. And the, you'll, you'll feel it, but the opportunity to do that will go away at some point. So yeah. Uh, more, it, it won't go away permanently, but, you know, the f- family under the same roof, all, uh, all of you at the same time, that's, that's going to be holidays in the future. I'd love to chat with Greg, too. It was so good talking to you, though, Chris. It's so nice to see you face-to-face. Well, yeah. You know. yeah, and I, I will say it again. I don't think this has been 17 years, 16 years. So you, don't, you haven't aged a bit. You Chris, just you- have, no, I have. I, oh, and I, the reason I have a hat on is because I, I have hat, I have, uh, uh, you know, bed hair. So um, rather than uh, take care of it, I just threw a hat on. So yeah, I almost do. So <laughs> yeah, you look great. We could have shown up and you were going to be in your pajamas and I could have put a bathrobe on. That would have been fun. And I always think, thank God this isn't video. So um I appreciate it. All right, Mary, say hi to Greg and and, uh, the neighbors there. Tell them I'm thinking of them. And if I was there, I'd have a weed whacker in my hand. (laughs) You'd have a lot more than that, I'm sure. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. (laughs) 